0: This is Believe and Georgia Dogs Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.
1: It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, looking look fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'm going to do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in a game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense going to turn up, but the defense going to win us the game.
0: Here's your host, Corey Burton. Joining me from Sports.com is Dane Young. Dane, thanks for joining me.
1: Corey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, the the special part about Dane is we're going to have him on for actually a two-part series. Uh, we're going to break down the Georgia offense, and then we're going to follow up and break down the Georgia defense. Uh, the two units couldn't be further apart at this point, um, so that's going to be a very exciting piece of content uh, for you guys. Um... So let's start with the offense, Dane. Um, 2019, let's just say it was frustrating. It was a mess. It was lofty expectations with little to no return. So, James Coley, he's out. Todd Monkin is in. What does he bring to the table?
1: I mean, Todd Munkin's got a wealth of experience at, at all levels of football, really. Um, he's been an NFL guy for uh, the last five or six years, uh, worked with Jameis Winston with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, putting up big numbers. Uh, I would say his little era with the Cleveland Browns was a mess, but as we all know, most everything with the Cleveland Browns ends up being a little bit messy. Uh, going back to some college days when you're looking at him as a head coach at Southern Miss, uh, I mean, they put up some explosive numbers and really turned out some offensive talent from Hattiesburg, which is a little bit difficult to do. You're looking at Nick Mullins, who is an NFL quarterback. You're looking at Edo Smith, who's an NFL running back. Uh, those are guys that he developed at Southern Miss. And then if you want to go before that, those Oklahoma State teams in the late 2000s uh, put up really big numbers. And so I think Georgia fans are hoping to see an offense similar to that.
0: Right. So when when you when you look at percentages, people get wrapped up in percentages of run to pass, pass to run, you know, philosophy wise. You know, what what is he gonna do that's that separates himself from from everybody?
1: Well, I think first he's gotta separate himself from what's been at Georgia recently. And I think that's spreading the field out a little bit more, being willing to use some of the middle of the field that maybe Georgia has not used in recent years because yeah, Georgia would use the sideline passes and Georgia would run kinda up the middle, but what do you do on those edges near the line of scrimmage but then also those you know intermediate routes in the middle you know we, we've seen that before at Georgia a lot of people think that Georgia hasn't thrown over the middle in 20 years but you have to go back as far as back as like Michael Bennett and that was his main route was just that slant across the middle Georgia needs more of that to really challenge defenses I think Munkin's going to get there but it's going to take a special quarterback to help that out
0: well speaking of quarterbacks uh, it's been quite a busy offseason for that position at Georgia uh, Jake Fromm leaves early uh, then you have transfer Jamie Newman coming in from Wake Forest. Then you have another grad transfer that drops in from Southern Cal, J.D. Daniels. He may or may not be eligible. Dewan Mathis gets cleared. They sign four-star Carson Beck, and then they got uh, 2021 prospect Brock Vandegrift, who arguably, depending on what publication you look at, is the number one quarterback in the in the country for that class. So, kind of, how does that position shake out? Does New- does Newman run away with it? Does Daniels get eligible? Push him. Does Daniel's have a red shirt season uh, available How does that position play out?
1: I think Jamie Newman absolutely runs away with it. And I I am as bullish on Jamie Newman as I think anyone can be. I think this guy's about to be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, I think that he's going to probably be a first or maybe second NFL pick uh, when you're talking uh, first or second round. I mean, right behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I think you're going to be seeing Jamie Newman up there. Uh, Anything from I've chatted with his high school coach, I've broken down a lot of his film at Wake Forest. There was only one quarterback in the nation. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, who was more accurate on the deep ball uh, than Jamie Newman, and that was Joe Burrow. So that's a pretty good, uh, you that's know, a good that's top. good company to be a part of at that yeah. point. Yeah, George Pickens to be one of his weapons. You had a wealth of running backs. I, I would say that it may hurt him a little bit that George is replacing as much as it is on the offensive line. I mean, you're losing two tackles to the first round of the NFL draft, so that can be slightly problematic for him. But I just think he's a breed of athlete that Georgia hasn't seen at quarterback in, I mean, quite a while, at least to where he's the feature piece of it. I think Justin Fields was that as well, but Justin Fields wasn't the feature piece of the offense. I think Newman's there, and I think whether JT Daniels is eligible or not, I don't know if it matters as much other than if Newman were to get hurt. From what I saw of Daniels, and he went to college a year early and started as a true freshman as an 18-year-old in the in the Pac-12, uh, He, from what I saw, he's not ready yet. He had a lot of turnover-worthy plays. Uh, he's got the arm for sure, but he just needs a little bit more experience. And uh, Jamie Newman has that right now.
0: Absolutely, and he has that tenfold. So, what is his running ability? How does that how does that become a threat?
1: You know, the first guy that people talk about when they're saying Jamie Newman is they say Cam Newton, right? Because he's a little bit of a bigger guy. He's uh, got broad shoulders, pretty muscular, uh, and that's probably the most apt comparison. And hearing Newman speak to. Uh, donors of the university in a video that went out last week um he's kind of tries to live up to that a little bit he likes watching cam newton play he also mentioned steve mcnair and donovan McNabb. so i think it's a scrambling ability but i wouldn't say it's going to be you know crazy it's not gonna be lamar jackson running the ball that's just not who he right. is um but yeah he can scramble and extend plays you know could he have a game where he has 60 yards rushing sure but i don't expect that to be the norm for him
0: right you just picked expect him to attack the middle of the field and make the throws and be accurate and and move the offense
1: well he's a good runner but he's a better passer so lean on what you're best at
0: hey that's you can't go wrong there so uh, you mentioned the offensive line position uh earlier uh it's it's tough to to replace what you're losing two first rounders uh then you lose also Solomon Kenley to the draft um Cade Mays transfers so now you've got a couple of veterans, uh, some some green kind of rising sophomores, redshirt freshmen, and then you got a group of extremely talented freshmen that come in from the 2020 class. How do those freshmen factor in, and, and kind of how does this offensive line take shape?
1: Yeah, I think you kind of have to work from the top down with the, off- the offensive line and the things that you know are going to be there I think we're pretty solid that Trey Hill is going to be the center, though if there's a little wiggle room there, it's if Clay Webb is just simply too talented to keep off the field, then I wonder if Trey Hill would consider moving to guard at some point. We saw that a little bit in his freshman year, just filling in I think for maybe one game, but he's been – one of the most steady centers in the SEC and with the center position, just don't like to change it up too much if you can help it mm-hmm. um, just because it's so difficult to place. So I, I think he's probably pretty firmly entrenched there unless a, a litany of injuries were to happen. And then you think about how do you mix it up to get the most talent out there? Uh, Jamari Sawyer is going to be a starter for sure Uh, he has had a great offseason and kind of trimming his weight down I'd be curious to see what position they put Jamari Sawyer at because he's just not built like a prototypical left tackle but if you're going to put George's best offensive lineman at left tackle it'd probably be Sawyer and you know he's he played right tackle at the end of last season Uh, the other spots is where it kind of gets a little squirrely right because you've got a lot of options I think Justin Schaefer uh, coming off of his neck injury, will probably be one of the starting guards. I think Warren McClendon is probably going to be in the mix out there. And then, like you said, these true freshmen coming in. You know, I've heard some people say that Broderick Jones will probably be a little bit you know, too talented to keep off the field at some point. And I've heard some people say the same about Tate Ratledge. Um, I think it's going to be open season whenever camp can really begin and get going. And uh, there's going to be some spots ready to be taken. That's probably where the most competition will be on the offense, I would say. Uh, and then you have Matt Luke, who's in, you know instituting kind of what he wants to do with Todd Munkin's offense. There's a lot of moving parts around that offensive line.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, that's certainly, you know, you're happy as a Georgia fan that Kirby has been able to recruit at that level to get this type of talent in. So, um, you know, and, and it helps that Todd Monkin is, is, is he's more of a zone run type philosophy. And I think Matt Luke comes from that. And you know you 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 kind of blend all that together and you got some experience already so that 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 bodes well
1: well and then even if you look at Jamari Sawyer of like can he really be a left tackle I think a lot of people said that about Isaiah Wynn too and it only took one year under Kirby Smart's leadership at offense and uh, Chaney and Pittman as well to transform him into a first round NFL pick Mm -hmm. I think Sawyer could definitely play left tackle it just depends if the coaches are comfortable with him being there or are his you know is his talent better use somewhere else on the offensive line. The thing that I've seen at Georgia is these offensive linemen are versatile and they can play a ton Mm -hmm. of positions. And I think that's going to increase with Matt Luke, because I think you're going to be seeing guards pulling out. I think you're going to be seeing some shifts and some stunts that Georgia has not had in recent years.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, that's certainly a position that, that needs to, that's ever evolving as far as the skill set, And that's ever, you know, if there's ever a need for cross training, you know, this current time and, and is, is, is that is that way so let's well, and, look and don't res- get
1: me wrong here either uh cory because after seeing andrew thomas run down the field like he did last year sometimes and seeing just how big mm-hmm. isaiah wilson was it's not going to be easy to replace those guys so i, I think oh, no. there'll be some growth yeah. coming there i think the talent is there but uh it's it's a tall order
0: yeah there's always growing pains and and you know there, there's a, a position group that took a lot of growing pains that's the wide receiver they took their lumps uh you know you could point to a bunch of different things scheme uh, Talent wise, combination of both, just what, whatever happened. Um, but who, you know, outside of George Pickens, we know what we got in him. He's a superstar um, coming up. But who else steps up? And you know, which, which of these freshmen have a chance? You know, who, who, who kind of plays that number two role, number three role, and, and who gets a lot of significant time?
1: The immediate number two guy is coming off an ACL injury, in my opinion, and that's Dominic Blaylock. So how healthy is he and then how far along is he in that rehab uh, program? You would think after tearing the ACL when he did that he's probably pretty close to being about full speed now based on what ACLs tend to be. Um, but he, he's the guy that I look at. It's just a, a really smooth possession receiver, great hand, solid speed. He can block a little bit on the outside. We know that blocking is a big part of what Kirby Smart likes from his receivers, so that puts Kiaris Jackson right there in that mix as well, probably to get some of the snaps that they're losing from Tyler Simmons because – I know a lot of fans didn't necessarily like seeing Tyler Simmons playing, but he was a really good run blocker. And George is losing a lot in the perimeter blocking in Charlie Warner from tight end and then uh, Tyler Simmons as well. So that's got to be replaced somewhere. I think Kara Jackson gets some of that. You know, th- these freshmen, there's going to be a lot of unknown there because they're going to be behind the eight ball a little bit, not having gone through the full spring practice and summer uh, like they normally would would because of the pandemic so I think you kind of lean on some of the natural skills and I've heard Marcus Rosemey is has got everything that you want from a receiver uh, Arian Smith is as fast as as can be uh, just a speedster out there that Georgia probably hasn't seen at least since Miko Harmon but you know I'm hearing some people say that he may be faster than Miko, and I'm like okay Ooh. then what do you do with that yeah, <laughs> I guess you sent mean- him on a streak down the sidelines so uh, yeah, there, there are options at receiver for sure. I think the top three guys going into the season are Pickens and uh, Blaylock and then followed probably by Kiaris Jackson.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, there's you know there's some experience there. So there's, there's some guys that can step in and, and not be completely lost in front of 95,000 people. And then these freshmen will kind of take over. Uh, do you see them kind of easing their way in as the season goes? Or do you kind of see these three kind of locking in the lion's share of the
1: – other that, reps. I think that's where Munkin's offense gets really interesting, right? So, how many receivers does he want on the field at the same time? And also understanding that in taking some of those receiver snaps, they're probably putting James Cook out there at some times for some of those snaps from from the edges. And uh, maybe he's getting the jet sweep that, you know, we didn't even mention Demetrius Robertson, who is right. loaded with talent and loaded with speed. Now he has a lot of experience as well. Does he find some plays like he did at Cal um, in the new Munkin offense? So, you know, I I, I want to say, yeah, ease in. But at the same time, if you look back retrospectively, that may have been a failure of 2019 is that George Pickens was not a feature part of the offense before he was. Because as much as he's fresh on everyone's mind of, of being such a breakout player, he really only had four or five games where he was the icon uh, in terms of receiving. And a lot of that came after, you know, the the injury um that Georgia injuries that Georgia had on, on, at wide receivers. So, you know, I think Pickens needs to be a focal point, but how soon do you put other people in there? I guess that depends how dynamic dynamic the offense is.
0: Yeah. And it could certainly be rolling as, as the season goes, you know, you expect some growing pains, but um, so let's look at the tight ends. Um, Speaking of receivers uh, speaking of using the middle of the field uh, you know, you got a group that I don't know if you want to say underutilized or you know, not quite as talented as they have been in years past, but now you get Trey McKinney in, you sign uh, superstar Darnell Washington, who looks more like LeBron James than <laughs> than a football player, uh, and then you have some other guys kind of in the mix. Eli Wolf was a solid, um, I guess, security blanket for Jake Fromm. Um, so what what happens with Newman? Does he find a relationship with these tight ends? Which tight end gets gets most of the snaps? How do you how does that position play out?
1: You know, I think by the end of the season, it's definitely Darnett Washington's spot to lose. Uh, just because, like you said, he is built like LeBron James, and there's no one else on the roster that's like that. I think getting to that point, I think John Fitzpatrick probably gets a lot of play, especially in run blocking, a lot of what Charlie Werner gave up. Uh, and Fitzpatrick is a decent receiver in his own right. He he was hampered with injuries last year, so we didn't see quite as much uh, from him. And then, yeah, maybe there's Brett Seether or Ryland Gody, who's coming off an injury as well at tight end. Um, it's probably the most unknown position on the field. And maybe that's why Darnell Washington will have such an opportunity uh, to come in and play. I'm really excited to see what Trey McKitty has to offer, because if you ask a lot of Florida state fans, they're not necessarily unhappy to see him go from Tallahassee. I I don't think that they were uh, happy with how, the energy that he played with that the effort that he gave and you never know a lot of players there seem to have given up on the previous coaching staff. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. he just needs to change the scenery and that happens sometimes, but uh, you know, does George even use the tight end as much as Georgia typically has in the past? I think that's something we'll have to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you got to break down the percentage of, you know, 11 personnel, 20 personnel, you know, 10 personnel, you know, things like that. So um, you know, what strikes me with going back to, The the first question with Monken is, you know, he he, I think he has ability to kind of figure out what personnel group that he really likes and he can use that and, and he will use that. And he's shown that he's not afraid to stay in 11 personnel when when really in the back of his mind, he's trying to figure out how to get the 10 personnel and vice versa.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at it and saying, all right, if I'm not as happy with the tight ends that I have and I've got James Cook over here on the sideline, does that give me more options to to use the entirety of the field to have Zamir White and James Cook together or Kenny McIntosh and James Cook, whatever the combination is, without a tight end? I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's why they're the coaches and they're going to figure it out. Munkin does have experience of using the guys he's got to the best of their ability uh, in, in terms of what scheme gets put in there. And look, as much as he's going to run his offense, he's also going to run it through the lens of what Kirby Smart wants to do as a program. So anyone that thinks this is going to be five widespread, let's go throw it everywhere across the field, I just don't see that happening. I mean, Georgia is a power running team, always has been, and to some extent I think always will be.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a a degree to that. And when you have a a room as talented as the running back room is, even though they – Uh, For the first time, I think since 2012, they don't return a thousand-yard rusher. Um, You have Zamir White, who hampered with injuries before he even got to Georgia, uh, so we haven't really seen him fully take off. You have uh, James Cook, who looks a lot like his brother now, uh, built-wise. Kenny McIntosh, and you have a a talented group coming in behind them as well. You know what? What? What plays out with that position? Kind of. Let's break down the running backs. Who? You know who's going to be the stud? Who's going to? Who's going to play the DeAndre Swift role, who's going to kind of play that holy Holyfield uh, role and who's going to be kind of that closer at the end of the game.
1: I mean, I think RB1 is Zamir White probably. We kind of saw that in the Sugar bowl against Baylor where he, he got a lot of the tough yards. I wouldn't say anything was overly spectacular, but those tough yards are important, especially in moving mm-hmm. the chains, clock management, a lot of things that we know that Kirby Smart likes to do. You know, his top-end potential, he's trying to kind of do some of the Nick Chubb kind of stuff, which is break tackles at the line of scrimmage and find the open field. He's proven he can break tackles. He's proven he can block. He's proven that he can get to the line of scrimmage with a lot of intensity. What he hasn't proven is that he can break away in the open field yet. Uh, But again, he's had knee surgeries on both knees uh, at Mm -hmm. this point. And so that's that's a lot to overcome in terms of your confidence. But that being said, he knows this is going to be his season. You know, I I fully expect whatever happens because of his health, I think Zemir White will be Uh, gone from UGA after the season and and trying his hand at the NFL. Um, And and probably the same with James Cook as well. So I I think you're going to see four to five running backs, which is kind of the trend at Georgia now. Um, Now, you know, who's that fourth and fifth? I I really like Kenny McIntosh. I I like what I saw from him in the Sugar Bowl. I like how smooth he is. Uh, He seems like a really good kid. Uh, same with James Cook and I would think most fans would agree that James Cook has been underutilized at Georgia Um, he seems to be the scat back type that just find a way to get him the ball and I think that's the primary project of Todd Munkin's offense if James Cook can get a role that will work for him I think Georgia's offense will be at a whole nother level
0: yeah I mean that's a that's a hell of a one-two punch there with with Cook and um, Zamir White, you know, just kind of playing that chubb Sony role. And then you have, you know, a talented group behind him. You know, I see Macintosh kind of emerging as, as one of the breakout guys, potential breakout guys. Um, James Cook certainly has that ability, but I think he's, you know, shown that he is one of the primary guys. So breakout may not be the most accurate term with James Cook, but, you know, I, I, that's kind of how I see it shaking out.
1: Well, and then you look at the freshmen coming in too. I mean, Kendall Milton was one of the best players in, in high school football last year coming from California. And I know he's got high expectations to get playing time immediately. And you know, I just don't – we're not in an era of football now where you're going to see too many running backs redshirt just because then you're limiting with – you know, you have them for two years and they're gone. It's one of the, mm-hmm. the mismanagements uh, that I think Georgia had with Noshaw Marino, if you want to go back in the day, that he spent an entire year lighting up the scout team when he could have been contributing on the field. Uh, but that was early on in kind of some of the the reshaped running back view across all of football, college and NFL. So that said, you know, a lot of people are not talking about Dajun Edwards from Cockroach County, incoming true freshman. Really good pass catcher, solid blocker. Uh, again, just another smooth running back that Del McGee loves. I think he's going to find his way onto the field. Now, is it in really big spots? Probably not. But. You know, you have to really limit the carries for some of the upfront guys. So in these games where Georgia has a 30-point lead, yeah, let Deja Edwards get five or six carries, sure.
0: Does James Cook factor in special teams in the return game?
1: You know, I would say – I'm going to say no on punt for sure. If anything, he might get some kickoff uh, just because you can have a couple guys back there. I just think with the talent that Georgia has at wide receiver, you can kind of work one as a specialist a little bit better uh, and allow Cook to really focus on the offense. Now, look, we saw Sonny Michelle and even uh, Todd Gurley get back there and do it as well because, you know, if that's your best option, go for it. I I just think, especially with Zamir White's injury history, do you really want to jeopardize a potential special teams injury with James Cook and then all of a sudden – let's say both of those guys are out or if Cook's got to be your lead guy you get pretty thin at running back pretty quickly and I know fans may not think that way but you know Georgia had a team where you had uh, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle and Keith Marshall and I'm pretty sure it was Brendan Douglas that started a game so once you get midway through the season it happens quickly that your uh, depth the attrition at running back uh, can happen so if he's the most dynamic guy, sure, I think they'll probably put him out there. But if there's anyone that's even remotely close, which I, I think that tends to be the case, uh, whether that be, you know, like I said earlier, if it's uh, Karis Jackson can do it a little bit, or if you want to use a speech for like Arian Smith, if you trust him to catch the ball and not fumble it, I just think there are going to be other options. And I, I would shy away from him in special teams, but I'm not watching him in practice either.
0: All right. So, what you know, just kind of wrapping up the offense um, in a total uh, package here. What what are kind of what are some things that you expect to see? What are some predictions that you have? Uh, numbers-wise, production-wise, things like that.
1: It all starts with Jamie Newman to me and, and then his relationship with Todd Monken, and, and what happens from there. I, I tend to think that at college football now, you have to have a dynamic quarterback that can run the RPOs, that can do the misdirections, that can keep the ball and run it, can extend plays, uh, really do everything that Joe Burrow completely mastered. And it almost helps when you're a graduate student because, yeah, you're studying your master's degree fine, but really you're taking that year to focus on football. And I think we've seen that with how Jamie Newman's working out. Uh, I just think that Georgia is going to be more dynamic offensively because they have a more dynamic quarterback than they've had previously Uh, in really all facets of the game. The fact that he can throw the deep ball with accuracy and the fact that he's more mobile. I just don't see how this offense can't be really, I I would say drastically improved from 2019 uh, just because it's going to keep the defense guessing a little bit. Um, how they use the weapons will be interesting. As far as, like, points per game or yardage, it's tough to say on that, right? Because if Georgia's defense stays on the field a lot, that means Georgia's offense is not on the field a lot. So how does that counteract? If, if you look in total wins, I think Georgia cruises through the east and gets to Atlanta and probably has the rematch with Alabama, and then we we'll go from there.
0: I like it. I think a lot of Georgia fans will be, uh, be on your side on that. So um, if you want more for Dane, from Dane, uh, check him out, Uh, One of the best online communities um, I've ever seen um, with surrounding a college team. They, uh, the UGA Sports staff does a tremendous job over there, starting with Dash, Roddy, and, and, and on down the line with, uh, with Dane here and Jake and Trent. And I think you guys got a, a whole other uh, army of people behind you guys even. Uh, so uh, check him out, Dane Young. Uh, go to UGA Sports. Uh, go to the dog vent. See Kind of see the feedback of kind of what the fans are saying. They, they I feel like they have a good pulse on the uh, – even though they lose reality sometimes, they have a good pulse <laughs> on what's happening uh, in college football and, and especially with the Georgia program. So stay tuned for Episode 2. Uh, we talk about the defense. Dane, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Corey. All right, and that was Dane Young. I hope you enjoyed that episode on the offense. Please, please, please stay tuned for part two uh, where we break
1: down the defense. And as always, go dogs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call, quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter.